And we close that part out, but it's not over because uh, now it's your turn to memorize and send in video, and we're going to make a compilation. It'll be fun. Uh, we're jumping into another series, and this series is on a, a series on prayer called Touching Heaven, Changing Earth. Uh, before we jump in, I want to recognize Ray, uh, Raymond Ward. He's uh, one of our missionaries in Thailand, and uh, we've been talking about um, the refugees that are fleeing Myanmar and going into the Thailand border. His operation is set up right on the border, and they've been ministering to these refugees that are crossing, and that's where some of the money has been gone uh, to, uh, to his operation there. So if any of you are interested, you can talk to Raymond. He's taking applications for volunteers to volunteer at, uh, and he has an awesome burger place, awesome coffee shop right there on the border. So if you like burgers and you like coffee and you like helping refugees, he's the guy to talk to. So, um, Thanks, Raymond, for being here. Um, we're organizing a United in Prayer event on the 31st of this month. It's called United in Prayer. We're gathering over 20 churches on the island to pray and seek God, and, and we're believing that he will... How many of you know that Maui needs answers to prayer? That there are situations that are encountering our island that is outside of our control, but it's not outside of the control of God. Amen? And, and God answers prayer. Um, our, our prayer team has been going into the department, uh, the fire department and the police department faithfully for two and a half years. And when they first went in with baskets and, you know, asking them what they need prayer for, they thought that, that our, our intercessors were weird and, you know, just who are these people coming to our, our, our police station? And, but now they're actually have lists and this, this is what we need prayer for. We need prayer for marriage. We need prayer for this. We need prayer for that. Recently... Um, there was prayer that corruption in the police department would get rooted out. And so for two months, several months ago, uh, two months straight, every single day, uh, our prayer team, and we have United uh, 714 prayer in the morning, 7 at night. Thank you for those of you that have been joining that. Uh, but we started praying for the police department. And after two months of praying for the police department, that corruption would get rooted out from the police department. A video, how many of you saw that video of the police chief and what happened with the hit and run in the, in the garage and all of that? Investigation came down and, uh, and not only one police chief resigned under investigation, but three police chiefs resigned at the same time, almost in the same week, uh, just one month ago, all under investigation of different areas of corruption and controversy and crazy stuff like that. And it happened right after our concentrated and direct efforts of prayer toward our, our police department. Isn't that crazy? And how, yeah, you, you, can, you can thank God for that. Um, we were, I was talking to some, and I didn't even realize that God answered that prayer. How crazy is that? Like I was talking to somebody after church uh, two weeks ago and said, yeah, you know, we were praying that God would root out police, uh, you know, cr um, corruption from our police department, and this thing happened, and then he, uh, the police chief resigned, and I was like, hey, I think that was an answer to prayer. And then I said, but not just one police chief resigned, three police chiefs resigned in separate incidents all at the same time. And I said, that can't be a coincidence. That was probably God. That was God answering our prayer. And I said, yeah, but we only prayed for Maui. And then I thought about it, and I said, no, we didn't pray for the Maui Police Department. We just said the police department. And so God answered the prayer because we weren't specific enough 
we should just pray for like the whole the whole world. I mean, <laughs> but um, God is going to answer prayer. I believe, you know, our economy needs it, our government needs it, education system needs it, and God, we're we're people are gathered together in unity. God commands a blessing. It says in in Psalms one thirty three, and so we're looking forward to this event. It is. Uh, it is limited in seating because of restrictions, and we're going to be meeting at the Haggai Institute in Kihei. Only 250 seats are available, and in the pastors that uh, we meet with on a monthly basis, we all made an agreement that we're going to take registration. It's going to be online registration, and it's opening today. And no church was allowed to let their church register before another church. This is the opening day of registration and so we're going to show a video at the end of this message and you can get the QR code and I want to highly encourage everybody to register today so that you can get the spot because there's I don't know 20 other churches that are showing this video and everybody's going to register and if 10 people from every church register then we're at capacity so um, we love Grace Bible Church more than all the other churches and we want we want our church to be represented better than everybody else thank you Jesus because he loves us more. No, I'm just joking. Um, so at the end, just take that picture and, and you can register. Um, all right, let's jump into it. God, thank you, Lord, for this morning. Uh, we pray that you would speak to us through your word. Thank you that your word changes our hearts. It changes our perspective of life. Thank you for the power of prayer that we not only uh, can, can voice our request to you, but Lord, we can hear your voice, that you have you have created us with a capacity to know you, to communicate with you, to hear your voice, and, and then to, to pray and ask you to move on our behalf and to, to see you answer these prayers are just amazing. And so, God, we pray that you would uh, speak through your word this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Um, let's start by reading John chapter 10, verse 14 at the count of three. One, two, three. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Um, we just recently per, uh, bought a dog. It's a super cute uh, Maltese Shih Tzu whatever. Small little puppy. Why, why are you laughing? <laughs> oh, lapsa, lapsa. I don't know what it is. It's, like, cute, though. And uh, when we first got it, we got it from this woman that, gave, that she breeds these puppies, and she called me, and she said, what's the puppy's name? And I, so we talked about it, and we said, the name is Hoku. And so she said, okay, I'm going to start calling him Hoku. So she would say, hi, Hoku, hi, Hoku, and, you know, she, she'd call him. And, um, and when I first got uh, Hoku from her, we, I had to fly to Kauai, pick him up, you know, brought him over on a plane. He was kind of, like, drugged out a little bit on Dramamine or something. I don't know. He, she gave him something so he would chill out on the plane. And we brought him to, to Maui. And, uh, and for the first two days, he was just super lethargic and just like, I guess, because he's separated from his mom and all of the other little dogs and stuff. And, um, and I think it was like the second day or third day, I had a video of her when we were at the airport. And when she was saying bye, she was like, bye, Hoku, bye, Hoku. And I played the video of her voice, and he, like, perked up, and he, like, ran over to the video camera, and he's, like, looking at the, and, and he started getting all excited because he heard her voice, and I was, like, wow, that's so cool, and, and the same way what Jesus is describing is my sheep know my voice. If, if we have a relationship with God, when God talks to us, our ears 
could perk up and know that he's speaking. Uh, when, I, when I first started, because I grew up in church, and I didn't always want to hear God's voice. I just was forced to come to church, and if I didn't come to church, I'd get lickings. But something changed in my life when I was, you know, high school, college, and I really wanted to know, how do you hear the voice of God? And one of the things I remember that stuck out to me was when I read this scripture, God, God communicated, and he said, you know, I'm always talking to you, and if you're my sheep, you'll hear my voice, and you'll, it's not a matter of if I'm speaking to you, it's you recognizing when I speak to you. And I remember I was walking through Ka'ahumanu, and, and I heard a voice, I don't, I don't know, I forgot if it was my mom or my wife. <laughs> They're very different. But, you know, I'm in my late 40s, and I'm, I forget stuff. But I'm getting in trouble here. <laughs> but No, 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 I got that story wrong. Okay, so if you're in, you in the mall and someone yelled your, your name and you didn't know that person's voice, chances are you wouldn't turn around. But if your spouse is, like, right behind you and then whispers your name, Jonathan, like, you're going to turn around because you recognize the voice. And it's the same thing with, with our Lord. The more that you hear his voice, the more you'll recognize when he speaks to you. Um, there's three ways that God speaks to us, and we're going we're gonna to do um, these three areas. The first is he speaks through people. He speaks through authority in our lives. Uh, for, for me, God has always spoken to me through my parents, through my pastors, through people that are in my life. My wife is definitely, uh, definitely someone that God speaks through. How many of you know that God speaks to you through your spouse? Raise your hand high if you think that that's true. One of the, the scriptures that says that God, God created us in his image, and in his likeness he created us. And that means that I bear the image of God in my life. My wife bears the image of God in her life. Zach is going to be speaking about how God speaks in a silent voice, or God speaks to us in silence. And, uh, and with my wife, when I'm watching TV or I'm on my phone or something, and she's saying something, and it's, rah, 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 I can hear, like, just, rah, rah, rah. I can't really, because I'm concentrating on something else. And then I hear, fine then. Whoa. And then she has my attention, right? And then I, I turn around and I say, um, what was that that you said? And then she says, never mind. How many of you have ever experienced that? Like, never mind. And that does not mean never mind. That means you're in trouble <laughs> if you don't stop what you're doing and make everything silent. So, you know, you turn the TV off, you put your phone down, you're like, I'm sorry. What, what was it that you said? And then you got to do that a couple times before she says, Okay, and then, you know, she, she, that's the image of God, because God likes it silent before he talks to us. How, how many of you would agree with that, that God doesn't like over-talking over all the distractions that we have in our life? Anyway, I'm stealing your message, so um, he speaks through, through authority, um, through people in our lives. Jeremiah 17, 9, it's not in your notes, but uh, it says that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things who can know it. And one of the, the main things about our hearts is that it can deceive us into making decisions that are not right. Um, how many of you have friends that have gotten into relationships that have been really bad, and 
everybody can see they're bad except the person that's in the relationship. Anybody? Um, let's, let's read these two scriptures, and then we'll, I want to say a few things about this. Proverbs 20, verse 18, um, at the count of three. One, two, three. Plans are established by seeking advice, so if you wage war, obtain guidance. Romans 13, 1, it says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. And I've grown up and I've known so many times that I've, I've thought that the decisions that I'm making are right, but after I make the decisions, I realize maybe that wasn't the best thing. And um, I took my daughter out. Uh, I took Alexis out. She's going to be leaving for college at the end of August. And, you know, as a father, I'm, I'm getting a little bit nervous because she's going to be around boys. Not that she's, like, not around boys right now, but she's going to be around, you know, all the different things that come with college. And so we're having this father-daughter talk. And, and I, was, I was telling her, you know, we make decisions with our hearts, and then we justify them with our minds. How many of you understand that, that? That a lot of times we're supposed to think about the decision and then make it based on rationality, but we actually, a lot of times, because we're human, we make decisions with our hearts and then use our minds to justify and rationalize why we made those decisions. Um, and I was, I was telling her about that, and she's like, ah, that's not true. Actually, she didn't say that. I'm just making the story more, you know, f- more fun. But she was like, huh, that's interesting. And then, um, can I tell this story? Okay, so, so, I, I can, nobody watches it. Anyway, I get to, I'll, 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 I'll make it super vague. Okay, so, so we were talking, and, and uh, one of the things that she was invited to do something that was going to cost a lot of money, and it was going to co- cause her to have to go through a lot of obstacles to, to, to do this. And uh, she, she was telling me, man, I'm never going to do that. That's like, it's going to cost way too much money, too much time, too much hassle. Like, I'm never going to do that. That's crazy. And I said, well, what if somebody else asked you to do it? Somebody that was a little bit more attractive, somebody that was a little bit more fun to be around. And then she's like, huh, yeah, I would do it. And I said, well, what about, what about the expense and what about the hassle? And she's like, I'd figure it out. I could, I could ask you to pay for it. I could, I could find the time to, to get it done. And I was like, remember what we just said about the heart making decisions and rationalizing with her mind? She's like, yeah. <laughs> and one of the things as we get more, more mature and understand ourselves better is that we can't trust ourselves only because there's blind spots. And what God does in his grace is he puts people in our lives that can point out those blind spots and lead us into a way that is the best. Amen? Our spouses, our parents, our grandparents, our church family, God puts people in our lives to shine the light on places that are our are, are blind spots. Um, Pastor Zach, he's going to come up and he's going to share how God speaks in our silence. Could you give Zach a hand? Blind spots. Who got blind spots? Everybody got blind spots? Yes. So I really want to encourage you, 
Get somebody in your life that is going to point out those blind spots because you're not going to do it on your own. You're not going to do it. Trust me. You're not. And I'm so thankful for Pastor John in my life, like who enjoys putting his finger on the blind spots in my life. <laughs> but he does get a kick out of it at times. Yeah, but I love it because I need it. I need it. We all need it. So we're going to be talking about the still small voice uh, that, that God likes to speak to us in. We'll start off by reading 1 Kings 19. I'll, I'll just read it. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountain and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And I love that. Love it. But I feel like we all want God to speak to us in the loudness. We want him to speak to us in the fire, in the earthquake, in the wind. And we don't really like the still small voice. We don't like the low whisper. And I feel like the reason behind that is, is because all of those other things, they command authority. Yeah? Like they're, they're, there's an authoritative uh nature to it not only that but it it also instills fear as well because oh if god's speaking to me in an earthquake then i better listen before i fall in this crack you know what i mean like when we're when we're going through life we're, we we want to do our own thing and if we're doing our own thing and god wants to do so, wants us to do something else we want him to push us into the direction that he wants us to go not hey you come this way right we we want the the push because we know that in order for us to do good we got to have that push because on our own we will choose the wrong thing a lot of the time amen and we need that help as a parent you can yell at your kids to get them to do what they got to do as a boss you can threaten them with, with a lower pay or a demotion or something. You know, those are powerful actions that, that really command obedience. They command it. However, it's the exact opposite with God. It's the exact opposite of God. Because when he talks in that low whisper, when he talks in that still, small voice, it's not... It doesn't command fear. It doesn't command uh, the, the obedience. It's not authoritative in its nature. But it's the opposite. It's comforting. It's peaceful. It's assuring. And the opposite of commanding obedience, it's desiring an obedience from us. So when the whisper comes, it's a desire. It's calling you in. It's drawing you in. Be obedient. Listen to my voice. Listen to what I'm saying. It's not commanding you and yelling at you as if the fire and the earthquake and the wind would do so. The low whisper is powerful. And to kind of illustrate this, my daughter, she's going to turn two in August. And she's just like me. Just like me. We got it rough. <laughs> my, my grandma. Okay, my grandma... Is called me the demon child. <laughs> I would I would go into the house. I'd I'd come through the door and 
and won't even say hi to my grandma or my grandma. Wouldn't even say hi. And I'd look around the house to see what I could touch and what I could get at. Because they had all this nice stuff that I would want to play with and that I would, could never touch. And so I was like, okay, I got one opportunity before they catch me. I'm going for it. And so I would take off. I would find something. I would take off to go get it. And they said they'd have to chase me. I'd like run my hands down the blinds as I'm running through the house. So we, we, got, we got some fun times ahead of us. But anyway, when, when, I, when we, I, my wife, we ask Mickey, uh, Zemi to do something, she thinks of it as a game. Okay? She's like, I don't want to do this yet. Let's play some more. So I'm going to play tag with you. So she'll run away. And so now we have a couple of options. We can either play with her, we can yell at her, or we can somehow catch her in a calm, with a calm voice and just talk to her. And so for about 50% of the time, I like to play with her. So I have fun. So if she's going to run away and she's laughing, then I'm going to run with her and laugh, and I'm going to grab her. And it's kind of like just a little fun thing that I like to do. However, now that I think about it, it's probably not the best thing to reinforce <laughs> in her life. <laughs> so i got to figure that out a little bit better. But about 25% of the time, I will uh, yell at her, and 25% of the time, I will kind of talk to her in a calm voice. But still working on that. So I say that because I realize when I was reflecting is that the, that's, that low whisper, when I talk to her calmly, she actually will listen to me a lot more than if I were to yell or play with her. Because if I play with her, she wants to keep playing, so then she still doesn't listen. So I think what I do is like I'll play with her, and then once I catch her, then I'll talk to her soft. And then she listens. Another example of me hearing, hearing God's low whisper is when Mickey and I were uh, right before we were dating. And this is, I had made a promise to God that I wouldn't date anybody. I wouldn't look for any relationship. I wouldn't entertain any relationship in my life for five years. In five years. So for five years, I struggled through it, and I made it through. As soon as I turned 25, I looked up at God and I said, God, game on. This is happening. We are finding somebody so that I can be with for the rest of my life because I was not meant to be alone. Amen? <laughs> and so I took, I took an assessment. I was pretty methodical. I took an assessment of the girls in my life, and I, and I was like, okay, so I can see this one, this one, this one. All right, okay, so these girls I can see myself with for the rest of my life. And so my, <laughs> so my wife, Mickey, she, she was the, the one that I had the least uh, or the, the least relationship with. So if I called her up out of the blue, she'd be like, why are you calling me? This is weird. And so my goal was to get her and my relationship to the point where I could call her and text her and it would not be weird. Okay, that, was, that was my goal. And I was leaving for Oahu to uh, do some ministry training. And I was going to be at a church where there's like all college age girls my age. And I was like, yes, we're going to keep these options open. We got to see what's going on. Okay. 
I, I didn't want to go to Oahu and be like tied down to somebody. I wanted to see what was out there, to see who God was going to bring into my world. And then, uh, so I'm, I'm on my, my mission to befriend Mickey to the point where it wouldn't be weird if I called her up. And we go to the, uh, the beach with a whole bunch of people, and we come back, and I, and I go to drop her off at her house and pull into the driveway, and she would not leave my car. In my head, I'm thinking, you're home. You can leave now. <laughs> go. I, I want to go home. I want to take a shower, and I want to, like, lie down and relax. But you're still here. <laughs> and <laughs> so six hours later, six hours later, okay, we're still talking. And girls are intuitive. They, they can figure stuff out. So she goes and she asks me, what are we doing here? And I knew she was asking, like, what's going on between us? So I try to dodge the question. I'm talking? I don't know. You won't leave my car. So we're talking. <laughs> so we keep going. Brings it back up. Try to, I dodge the question again. She's like, talk, 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 talk. Bring it back a third time. That third time, I was like, all right, God, you're not letting this go. She's not letting this go. So I had to stop everything. I had to stop the conversation. I had to stop what, what I was thinking about. I had to stop my emotions. I had to just quiet myself in that moment. So she's sitting in the passenger seat. I'm sitting in the, in the driver's seat. And I, I was like, hold on. I had to take a moment. And so I closed my eyes. And I asked God, God, do you want me to pursue this? Because I, I've already thought about whether or not I could see myself with her. So now it was just, do I go down that path to, to really find out, to ask my make it or break it questions that, you know, figure out whether or not I'm actually going to spend the rest of my life with her. And in the quietness, God said, yes. And here we are, what, almost six years later, we have a kid married, and God speaks. Amen? And hey, God is good. You see that because there are moments in our life where we have to quiet our mind, will, and emotions. Silence everything around us just so we can hear God's voice. Amen? So close with this. John 16, 13, before I pass the mic over. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. God will speak in the exact manner that you need him, and you need to hear him, okay? He will speak in the exact manner that you need to hear him, either whether it be loud or soft. However, I want you to understand is that if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, Majority of the time, it's going to be in a low whisper. It's going to be in a quiet voice. Because he is polite. He is polite. He's not going to force his way in unless you make a way for him and a place for him to speak to you. Amen? So I want to encourage you to be still, to quiet your mind, quiet your will, quiet your emotions, quiet everything around you so that you can hear the low whisper of God. Can we give a hand for Zach? And then last point, God speaks through the word. Everything else doesn't mean anything unless 
the word of God, it, it matches up with the word of God. And I'll just, I'll just close with this story. Um, let's, let's read these two scriptures together, or this one scripture together. At Psalms 119, 105. One, two, three. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light unto my path. Um, I went through my journal of 2020, uh, starting with January all the way through December, and it was the craziest year, definitely a hard year uh, to lead anything because things are changing so much. And um, as I was going, reading through my journal, it was so amazing to see how God gave, gave uh, this church and myself just a heads up about everything that happened during the course of the year. And not only did God give us a heads up, but he gave us like specific things to do for our family. And we ended up the year just like blessed beyond belief. And, it, it, and everybody that I talked to in our men's group and whatnot, there was huge shifts that happened employment-wise, um, even location-wise. But in every single story that, that I've talked to people about their experiences, there was a lot of changes and a lot of stress. But God just blessed us so tremendously, not just financially, but uh, in our relationships. Like, I'm so glad that I had, you know, I know Alexis and Caden probably don't like this, but I'm so glad that we had a whole year to be locked up in the same house together. Like, it was so fun and fulfilling for me to, to be around my kids that long, because if we didn't have this, they would be in their sports and their activities and all this kind of stuff. And it really, for me, it was a huge blessing. Um, God speaks through his word. Uh, I just, I just want to share this one insight uh, on the heart of God. Because when we read scripture, it not only is informational, but it's transformational. It changes our perspective of life. And uh, we've been reading through Samuel. I've been reading through Samuel and soaping through Samuel. And one of the things that I find was so puzzling about the life of David was that he was someone who befriended his enemies, right? Saul tried to kill him. And what David did was when Saul died, he wept for Saul. He was, he was really emotionally upset that Saul passed away, so much so that he wrote songs about this guy that, was, that gave his wife away and that tried to kill him. Um, later on, uh, in his, and the general of Saul's army, Abner, I mean, you would think that anybody that had clear thought would wipe Abner out. But he said, I want Abner to be a part of my military. And Joab, his general, said, no way. And he rebelliously killed Saul's general. You fast forward through his life, and then there's David's son that tries to take over, Absalom. And Absalom tries to kill his father, sleeps with all of his father's concubines in the plain view of all of Israel, chases David out of his house, wants to kill David, and David still tells all of his men, don't touch my son. I don't want my son dying. And Joab, he went against David again, and he killed Absalom. And when he killed Absalom, David wept for his son. He was so emotionally moved because his son, who was a traitor, got killed. And, and then Joab said, you love your enemies, and you hate your friends, and you need to change this. And you fast forward a little bit later, and, and Absalom's general was this guy named Amasa. And David goes up to Amasa and says, hey, I want you to be the general for my army. How many of you think that's a smart move? Right? And, and I'm, I'm looking at, and, and Abner says, nope, that's not, I mean, Joab says, that's not going to happen. And he goes and he takes Amasa out, kills Amasa too. 
And I'm reading through the scripture, and I'm like, this makes no sense. Why would David do this? And so I told my kids, I'm going to give you $20 if you figure this out and give me an answer that, that, that I accept. And my kids, they went into scripture, and they couldn't come up with an answer. Um, I think they threw out some stuff, but it didn't satisfy me. So I didn't pay him the 20 bucks. So I asked Pastor Eddie, and he gave me the answer, but I didn't tell him that I was, I was going to pay him 20 bucks so he didn't get paid. Because as, as my father, that's his job to give me answers. Anyway, um, but, but he said the reason why David went above and beyond and had a heart for these people that were trying to kill him, even try, you know, take the kingdom away from him, was because they had leadership positions in the kingdom of Israel. And David had a heart for the unity of his nation. And as David sacrificed and, and tried to build bridges between his enemies, what he gave his son Solomon was a united kingdom. And because he gave Solomon a united kingdom, Israel saw the greatest years of their history under the rulership and reign of Solomon because the kingdom was united. And I was like, wow, David had the foresight to see. And, and when we read what he penned in Psalms 133, that where brethren dwell together in unity, there God commands a blessing, even life forevermore. David understood that there's a power that happens when his people are united. And so he did everything to provide that unity. And then that got me to think, as a husband, as a father, how am I fighting for the unity of my house that will provide a foundation of legacy for generations to come. It's not just, the, and, and these are the things in scripture that God has for us. If we'll read it and ask questions, and it changed my perspective of what leadership is. Leadership isn't just smashing your enemies and getting things done the way that you feel is right, but it's building bridges and creating peace and creating unity so that the next generation has this foundation to stand on that goes far beyond. And, and so during Unite 714 prayer times this week, all the prayer has been focused on unity and this Unite 714 July 31st event. And then in my soap time as I'm reading scripture, I get that insight about how unity is important. And I believe God is setting a foundation by the unity of the churches on this island that's going to take this island to another level. Amen? Okay, I want you to do this, and we're going to do this to close. Take out your phones. Everyone take out your phone and then put it on camera mode. And then take a selfie with the person next to you. Now I'm just joking. Um, take out your camera, camera phone. At the end of this video, there's going to be a QR code that you can scan to register for this Unite in Prayer event on the 31st. All the churches on the island, not all, but many churches on the island, and there's a QR code. Um, Chris, could you hold that up high? There's a QR code on that flyer and information about the event on that flyer as well. This flyer is getting distributed to over 20 churches uh, this Sunday as well. So um, there might be a possibility that the registrations are filled up today. So um, please take the picture, register if you plan to attend. Um, we're going to close with this video. Worship team, we're a little over time. On so July 31st. Over 24 churches on Maui are teaming together to host United in Prayer at the Haggai Institute in Kihei. Come join us for two hours as we worship the Lord and seek His face through individual and corporate prayer. We're calling for prayer on our government, our education system, the marketplace, 
our news and media, families, and more. The island of Maui has seen God move as the result of prayer many times before. In 2004, churches came together in prayer to lift up every high school student by name. As a result, youth groups among participating churches exploded in attendance. Kids were baptized in the Kamehameha swimming pool, while Bible studies and chapels were held at school campuses across the island. Several years later, as Maui went through a devastating drought, an economic slump, and a large drug problem, churches gathered together for a night of prayer. In the following months, the drought ended, the marketplace started to boom, and the Maui Police Department successfully completed one of the largest drug busts in the island's history. God has given His people spiritual authority to declare blessing over the cities that they live in. And when Christians answer the call to pray, God shows up. After everything that transpired in 2020, Maui, our nation, and our world are in desperate need of prayer. God has moved mountains in the past, and if His people answer the call to pray, He will do so again. Although this event will be live-streamed, seating is available, but limited. So if you would like to attend, you can register at the United in Prayer Maui Facebook page or follow the instructions in your church's handout. Okay, so you can either register by taking a snapshot of that QR code or on this handout, uh, there's also the link that you can register and uh, you'll have a seat reserved for this event. Um, God's going to do something great in this, this United in Prayer event, and I believe that uh, it's by His grace that He's calling all of us to pray, um, to be united in prayer, and, and God's going to do something amazing on this island. Amen? Can we all stand, and we're going to close, close this morning. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word that... If your people who are called by your name will humble themselves and seek your face and turn from their wicked ways, that you will hear from heaven, that you will forgive our sin, and that you will heal this land. God, we come before you this morning as your church, one of the many churches on this island. And God, we ask for your grace. Lord, our economy needs help. Our government policies need help. Our education uh, system needs help. And Lord, we know that you are moving and that you're shaking and that you are in control of everything that has happened in this past year and a half. And Lord, we pray that you would be glorified, that people on this island would come to know who you are, not in a religious way, not in, in, in ways, that, uh, ways that they think that they know you, but God, we pray for an awakening, that people would understand who you are, that they can have a relationship with you and that you can speak to them and that you hear our prayers and that you can answer our prayers. Uh, Lord, we pray for this United in Prayer event. We pray that you would, you would draw your people to, uh, to pray for the needs on this island and that we would see you move in ways that you have done before, but in greater ways that you will do in the future. We ask this in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. 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 God bless you. Have a great day.